This episode is sponsored by Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse. When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode 171, Entrepreneur with an Employee Mindset. I'm Matt. That's Mike. And this week, we'll actually be talking about two to three topics. The biggest one is, of course, the one from the title, Entrepreneur with an Employee Mindset. But we also have on the ticket for today, hesitating on quote-unquote big decisions. And then if there's time, because we have a limited record window today, we're going to talk about what work do you bring on your mobile. What do you make mobile? So that one's just a little bit more fun and less serious than the others. So this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And, uh, I mean, it's time for me to kick this off. It's been a while since I wrote the show notes, short of uh, some of the interviews that we've done. And uh, this is actually my episode, so get ready for a Picasso of podcasts, one might say. What? What does that mean? That's the, that means it's going to be art. Ah, okay. But gonna is it going to be like recognizable art? Because Picasso is like, you know, his art is all over the place. Uh, I don't know much about art at all. I just know the name Picasso and it's Picasso. No, wait. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop right now. I was going to say it's Picasso, the guy that made Starry Night, but it isn't. It's Van Gogh. No, that's Van Gogh. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's over. So I probably shouldn't compare myself <laughs> to an artist at all. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Picasso was a weird choice, man. Is it? <laughs> yeah, type in Picasso into the search bar and see. Oh, no. What have I done? It's probably like, okay, hang on a second. You're probably like, you, Mike, are probably insulting a bunch of Picasso fans now. No, dude, I love Picasso. It's just like, I can't imagine what a podcast episode that's referencing Picasso could be. Oh, yeah. Like, this is definitely not. Uh, <laughs> the podcast will be more. Uh, straightforward, let's say, than these images. Although the images <laughs> look cool. So Yeah, you know, I love Picasso. Nothing against Picasso is just like <laughs> it's a weird reference for art. <laughs> um and Van Gogh probably did more or he did do more abstract stuff too. I only know Starry Night. You know what? Don't follow me for art advice at all, and uh, I'm sticking with my Picasso comment. But anyway, this is gonna be a straightforward good episode, courtesy of Matt Lawrence. Let's just Let's do the, uh, let's set the bar there. <clears throat> Topic one. No. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, an entrepreneur with an employee mindset. So this is sort of a, uh, I, oh, it's a bit of an abstract topic. No, um, I was about to say that, but it, it's kind of, it, it's abstract. It's straightforward, but you can easily get caught in it. It's a, it's a bit of a weird one. And so I don't know um, how to describe it overall. So I'll just dive in and we'll, we'll dissect it. So, you know, this is when you get stuck, if you will, in a contract or a working relationship uh, where you just do the task that you're given by a client and that's it for the day. So in other words, you're a freelancer, you're uh, an entrepreneur of sorts, you're not an employee, to be clear. You are not an employee and you're getting stuck just day after day just doing the task that a client has given you. Now, obviously, the uh, the majority of one's work is generally the stuff that they offer. So in this case, you're, off you're offering a service to work on a website and the website is, uh, what do you call it, directed, I suppose, by the client and then that direction gives you tasks and you do the tasks. So I'm not trying to say that you just ignore whatever the client says. What I'm saying is, is that you just do what they say day in and day out, and you never really work on your business. And so it's easy to fall into the routine of just being your client's employee over the years, especially if they're long-term clients and doubly true probably for if you have a lot of clients, because there's a lot of tasks coming in. Now, this is very common for people in our experience that have worked as an employee before, or for those that have been in quote unquote traditional school, which a lot of us have, where you effectively wait to be given a task, you complete that task, and then you're given a reward for that task. So money, if it's a job or a grade, if it's in school. 
Now, this can really bog down the potential of your business and make your clients' problems your problems. So, for example, you can easily fall into hard times when they do, and you both fight to get out of it, when you could have easily just, say, left them and gotten a new contract. Now, I'm not saying to just leave people or uh, abandon people or screw them over. I'm not trying to say that. But obviously, you know, it, it's it's not an easy choice, right? This isn't an easy choice to leave someone, you know, maybe you're leaving them high and dry. Maybe they're going to fail without you, whatever. But, you know... It's, it's a decision that can't be taken lightly, but you do have to keep in mind that you aren't their employee, you're running a business. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you might be able to justify it. Maybe you really believe in the product and you really want to stay with them. Maybe you're friends and you're kind of stuck there and you're just, you know, you're just not willing to leave because you're going to have sleepless nights or you just don't want to be a jerk and you're will and you're willing and able, okay, to, to stay with them and help them through stuff. That's up to you. But you have to remember that you are effectively a separate entity, your business. That's the entity. And so there's their business and your business. And if their business is going to come crashing down, does it make sense for a second business, which is your business to come crashing down too? Probably not. So sometimes that hard decision of just saying, okay, I'm out of here has to be done. Not something to be taken lightly, not something to be taken as like, ah, whatever, who cares about them, but something to definitely keep in mind. Now, with all that, you might have picked up on that. There needs to be a balance of you running your business and taking the tasks that you're assigned from their businesses, from the client businesses. Remember that you are offering a service. You are not an employee. So you are offering the service of web development more than likely, or you are doing web design or UI UX design, or you are consulting, right? A myriad of other people are doing a bunch, bunch of different jobs. You are offering a service. You are not an employee. An employee exchanges time for money. An employee clocks in either literally or figuratively, clocks in, works for 8 to 12 hours or whatever the time is, and then it's paid based upon the hourly rate or a salary, but the time needs to be met. For the most part, yes, there's lots of in between, but in general, an employee trades time for money. In your case, you might still be working per hour, but you're working for an entity. So you're working for a business. You're working for whatever your agency is, whatever your freelance business is. And so you are not an employee. And so you have sort of business responsibilities, if you will, that need to be factored in here. And you need to make business level decisions that aren't related to a specific client's services. Now, of course, a lot of what I'm saying is is hard to get through because you're going to find clients that are very long term. Maybe you're going to become friends with them. Maybe you're going to maybe you knew them on the onset. Maybe you maybe they're family and they were your first client and they got really big and then you stayed with them. Like life is messy in this way. But remember that in my opinion, you have a responsibility to an extent to your own business as well. So you have this business, you have a responsibility to that. You also have a responsibility to the client and there has to be a balance there and you have to know when something's just not going to work or something is going to work or maybe you think that it's time to pivot or maybe it's time not to pivot and you have control over that. You don't have to be necessarily stuck in the same effectively nine to five job as a service offering because a lot of us will do that we will offer web development services and then get stuck in a traditional nine to five with one client that pays steady and we're comfortable there maybe we're friends with them they're long term so now we're just in a nine to five again except instead of them sending us a pay stub we send them an invoice and then they pay the invoice and that's the only difference so one of the things that can really hurt your potential there is the fact that you're not paying attention to the to your business anymore. You're just an external employee. You're basically just a contracted out employee. And so that can hurt you if you – it can hurt your potential if you have larger ideas. So as a footnote, you know, you, you should spend more time doing – or you spend more time doing what you're told than making decisions and running your own business – if you do that, so if you spend more time doing what you're what you're told, then making then making decisions for your business, then you're falling into this trap. You're no long you're not making decisions for your business anymore. You're just sort of running the invoice software and 
the client is telling you, hey, I need you at a meeting at six. I need you to show up here. I need you to come to my office and work here and stuff like that. And so you're effectively just an employee again with probably no benefits other than money coming in too, by the way. You're not getting the health benefits and this and that. And so if you want to run a business, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to do business decisions, in my opinion. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with if you go and start a freelance business and you get a really steady client and they're paying really well and you're being paid well more than you would working as an employee there or elsewhere and you're really happy with it and you love the project and you know there's nothing wrong with you not uh you know running your business like a normal business and there's nothing wrong with you not treating it like a separate entity and you know trying to run like a trying to run an office like there's nothing wrong with you not doing that but if you want to be an entrepreneur you kind of have to do that. There has to be a part of your job where you're managing the business. And typically, not always, typically, eventually you will just become like the management, the administration, assuming the business grows. So this is a, a common trap that we've fallen into. We've, we're trapped in, we're like, we, I mean, everything. We're trapped in some contracts. Some other people are trapped in, you know, in contracts. We're stuck. Some people are stuck with, with, uh, working with certain clients. You know, we get stuck with working with clients and stuff. So it's, it, it's not an easy thing to talk about. And that's why I hesitate so much when I discuss this is because it's not easy. It, the line is very thin. It's very much, Hey, you know, the client is kind of your boss. And I think we've even said that on the show, the client's your boss because they tell you what to do. And of course, if they say, get it done in six months, and I say, no, I'm going to do it in nine months because my business needs three months of work, they're going to be like, what the hell? And they're going to leave. So the client is your boss, but it's like one of your two bosses and you're, you're, you're the other boss. And so it's a, it's a weird balance. It's a comfort zone thing. It's something that's difficult to sort of unpack. But just remember, if you want to be an entrepreneur, and this is my opinion, that you have to run the business as well as, especially at the early days, do the services or have the service offering in this sort of like web dev freelance space. Yeah, I think I think you <clears throat> I think you nailed it really well. Um, the biggest thing that I took away from what you were saying is you're giving away the potential. It's not so much that you're giving away direct dollars. You're not like you know, like, like you said, you might be making a ton of money on this contract, so you want to put in all of your time and effort into it because you're making that ton of money. But in the end, at the end of the day, in an ideal scenario, you're starting your business, you're starting your agency, you're starting your freelancing business to be able to grow and be able to take on more contracts and potentially be able to hire out. Like in an ideal world, your potential should be rising with you, right? So as you grow as a developer, as you grow in your freelancing business, you want to make sure that you're, you know, taking the right risks, you're putting in the right effort, you're putting in the right time into the right spots to eventually have something self-sustaining, eventually have something where you can manage, eventually have something where you become financially independent. Like that's why you're going down that route. Otherwise, you can go down the, the route of an employee. There's plenty of benefits to being an employee. It's less risky. You get all your uh, healthcare benefits. You get all your, you know, you know what you're going to be doing the next day, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of benefits to being an employee, but the one benefit that there isn't is financial independence after X amount of years. Usually as an employee, you're going to make enough money to, you know, save for retirement, to uh, buy whatever you need to buy at that certain time and then continue with your life. And that's perfectly fine if that's your goal. But if your goal is different where you're like, well, I'm in a spot right now where I want to be financially independent in five to 10 years, right? That's a totally different mindset than I want to be an employee with a safe, stable job. So you have to use that same mindset when you're making decisions as a freelancer or as a entrepreneur. When you're taking on a contract to do work, it's typically not, it typically doesn't really matter exactly how many hours you're going to take in that contract. It's usually like you need to complete this feature or this website in three months, it doesn't like when you're billing, you can bill by hour or whatever, but like usually I tend to try to push towards value-based billing. So this three months is going to take this amount of time, this amount of money. This is how much we want to make over the course of these three months. And then you kind of do, you know, maybe three stages of billing, one like once a month or maybe even more, like maybe once a week or something like that, where you bill a certain amount 
over that time. It doesn't matter how many hours you work there. So you want to set yourself up that maybe you can work on multiple contracts at the same time, or maybe you can hi- or hire out to help you do that. That's Those are the kinds of decisions that you have to be making when you're in this position of wanting to have financial independence. It's risk. It's absolutely risk. It's comfort zone. It's not comfort zone. Like it, You're not going to be comfortable making these decisions sometimes because you're putting some leverage on yourself. You're putting, you're, you're putting yourself under stress to get some stuff done. And to, to potentially, you know, fail. You have a chance to fail. As an employee, you have less chance to fail. As a freelancer, absolutely there. So it's not that you are, you know, using your freelancing to get employment. You're using your freelancing to, fin- to eventually become financially independent so that you can do what you want to do. That's the ideal mindset that I think you have to have in the freelancing space. And that's why, like Matt was saying, if you're going to be freelancing full time for a client and just performing the tasks for that client without thinking about expanding your business or getting new clients or diversifying, you're not really freelancing at that point. You're just an employee with less benefits, if that makes sense. And then you should start to consider, hey, I've proven myself to this client. Maybe it makes sense for me to make that transition to employee if that's what you want. There's nothing wrong with that at all. No, like definitely I said, not. yeah, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. That's a great, it's a like stability. Uh, you could still make a ton of money. Like there's, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's not what the ideal path of an entrepreneur is. So you want to make sure that when you are an entrepreneur, you're doing entrepreneurial things. Now, in my opinion, as an, as some advice, it should be kind of an 80, 20 thing when you're first starting out, especially. So you should be working 80% on the actual work. And at least 20% on the entrepreneurial side. And the entrepreneurial side can include many things like obviously doing all your bookkeeping and taxes and all that stuff. That's part of it. But it can also include writing a blog post. It can also include interacting with Twitter. It can also include, uh, you know, creating a YouTube video. It can also include all these different methods of potentially getting new clients in the future. Because yes, you have a client today, but it's a contract. Don't forget that. Like, do you think they care that like, who do you think goes first? in their company if if they go on hard times. It's the contractor that goes first because they have no obligation to you whatsoever. Their employees, it's a little bit more difficult. They're going to keep them for as long as possible. But the contracts, gone immediately. Trust me, we've experienced it. That's how they think of you. No matter how buddy-buddy you are, it's just the logical thing. And you don't. it's not no offense. Like There's no hard feelings there because that's just how it works. So that's the same way that you have to apply to them because if stuff goes better for you. Let's say that you're you're working on a contract and for whatever reason you make a mistake of signing a year long or like, you know, it it just keeps going and going. Maybe you didn't sign anything after the three month point, but you just keep working on it and working on it. And all of a sudden something new comes up that's better, more lucrative, more freedom. You have to think of it in the same way that they're going to think of it, where you have to jump on that. And you have to you don't have to leave them high and dry, but you have to transition away from that contract. I like the I like the the touch on risk too. It, it's sort of like the employee, the employee angle is risk averse. So you're trying to stay away from risk, and there's risk there's risk in life no matter what you do. You risk of being laid off, risk of being screwed over by a boss, risk of getting yelled at, risk of being blacklisted from an industry depending on the industry, risk of like a whole bunch of different things. Right? You could be treated poorly there. You could be taken advantage of. They could not pay your wage correctly. They could you know there's risk there. But an employee is risk averse. In terms of, in general, there's there's channels to go through. You can go to, like, the labor board in Canada or whatever. There's, like, there's ways to report an employer for being like, hey, that guy didn't pay me. You know, stuff like that. There's, like, a channel. With a freelancer, there might be some channels which is more like go to a lawyer and then, like, try to, you know, it, it's it's a whole different thing. Also, a freelancer doesn't have doesn't have the the safety net of, like Mike said, if, if you get let go on, on a contract in that way – I mean, you're just like, go. And you're like, now what do I do? But what we found in COVID is, you know, we had a, a an incident in which like a, a significant portion of our revenue was threatened. And our next question was, how do we save ourselves? But to an employee, they go, well, I better start applying to new jobs. And so it's a very different, it's a very similar, but it's a very different question in the same way in that 
I mean, we were looking for more clients or we were looking for more projects or we were trying to do this. And so we're both in both those scenarios, the employee and the entrepreneur, both those scenarios, you're looking for more work at the end of the day. You're looking for more work. But one of them is for us. You know, how do we save ourselves? The net, the, the employee goes, well, that really sucked. I got to pay my rent or whatever. I better go and look for another job. And so it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's samey, but it's different is the, the freelancing and, and being an entrepreneur is, is risky. It is more risky and being an employee is risk averse, but there's no, there's no place on the planet that I'm aware of that has a zero risk. So it's something to consider in that regard as well. I think another thing with the, the risk and the entrepreneurship is that in my opinion, if you go down the entrepreneur freelancing route, you should be risky a little bit because there's no point in being safe and entrepreneurial. Like, honestly, like completely safe is what I'm saying. Like, like exactly what Matt's talking about where like you're just doing work for one single client that's paying you a decent amount. If you're going down the route of entrepreneurship, don't do that. We've made that mistake 100%. We've made many mistakes down the line, but I wish earlier on we stepped outside of our comfort zone. We diversified more. We did more things that pushed the edge a little bit and maybe put us in hot water a little bit where like we might have been financially stretched. But the fact that we did that eventually. So like the, the, the story is, is that five months ago or six months ago when we lost a big contract that we were working on kind of like this, where it was a full time thing. We were at the point where, yeah, we could look for another contract just the same, or we could be risky and try to develop something for ourselves. And that's when I hit the Twitter. That's when we hit the podcast hard. And that's when our opportunities start to expand and expand and expand to the point where now we're at, like, we're trying to figure out what to take and what not to take. Like it's a feast or famine for sure in a contract world. We're in maybe the feast zone right now, but. It's great because we've set ourselves up to now have a bigger network and more opportunities by being a little bit risky. The less risky route would have been immediately me going in and like Matt would say, just start creating, you know, uh, WordPress work or find, find a WordPress client, you know, just start pumping out client-based sites that are easy for me to do. Go back to my comfort zone. I didn't do that. Matt and I talked about it and we decided to go the riskier path. And I think it's it's been a short amount of time so we, it's not the end of the risky path for sure and i'm i don't think i'll ever go back to the stability like i don't think i'll ever just do stable work like i did before i want to work on multiple things i want to work on something that's really interesting to me and uh and even when i'm doing that i always want to be making sure that i'm ready to take that next that next risk or take the next challenge and and we in that in that case like more on a personal note but and and we we play off each other like Mike wants to work on an interesting project and this and that and then I'm more on the side of I really like the idea of passive income and seeing things seeing things run uh in in the logistic system that I built so I build like this logistic system of like people buy product and it ships here and that so I like to see that type of stuff and I really like passive income so then like we kind of play off of each other where like Mike can do one side I do another side we'll sometimes have to flip flop depending on whatever comes up and you know the whole feast and famine thing but the point of the matter is is that we're complementing ourselves in different ways we're diversifying effectively and I know that some people will say that diversifying is a, is a is a sign that you don't know what to do or diversifying is is not good because you know, you should be going all the way toward the thing that's going to pay you 100% versus the thing that's going to pay you 90% because you're just leaving 10% on the table. But at the same time, in this industry, because it's so sporadic, it's sort of like, well, I mean, Mike and I aren't trying to become billionaires. So, I mean, if we miss the billion but make 100 million, I'm not going to complain. I mean, I might bitch like personally. I might be like, man, that really sucked. But at the same time, I'll be like, well, oh, well. You know, I'm going to be over it quickly because I'm going to be financially free at that point or whatever. So it, 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 we complement each other in that way, uh, just as like a personal note is so like there's, you know, there's, I guess what I'm trying to shine a light on is that there's different ways to do it. Mike's going to do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. And so you, 
as your own entrepreneur, as your own business owner, you really can make a decision on what you want to do. And you can pivot when you want and you can change things when you want and you can do this and that. And yes, the market and the clients do dictate your life to an extent. But you can be like, you know what? I hate this project. I'm out of here. And, you know, through whatever contract means or maybe your contract's up and you're not going to renew, you can just leave, right? Assuming it's legal, this and that and the other thing, whatever, you have more control than just an employee who can really only kind of quit, quit or transition to another job or ask to be moved to a different position, but it's still within the same company type of thing. You have a lot of options. You can just be like, you know what? I'm done with web development. I'm going to go sell. I'm going to go sell clocks. I'm out of here. You know, I like clocks. I'm out of here. And you could do that. And maybe you need another business number, this and then the other thing. But you yourself as an entrepreneur can just go spin up a clock selling entity, you know, whatever, a clock selling business. That's the that's the ticket. And that that's sort of what we're chasing. And, and there's different ways to do it. There's not just a one way to do it. And so it's kind of abstract, just like the Picasso paintings. Oh, right back to the Picasso. What a transition. Oh, man. I, I will applaud you for that. Oh, yeah. Um. It just came to me and I got really excited at the end there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on to a related uh, topic, the second topic of this episode, which is hesitating on quote unquote big decisions. Just a quick word from this episode's sponsors. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? I mean, most are either too simple for a growing engineering team to manage everything that they need to. Or they're just way too complex and no one wants to use them because they require constant prodding. Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, is different though because it's worse. Wait, no, no, we mean it's better. Shortcut is project management built specifically for software teams and they're fast, intuitive, flexible, powerful, and many other nice, positive adjectives. Let's look at some of their highlights. Things like team-based workflows. Individual teams can use Shortcut's default workflows or customize them to match the way they work. Org-wide goals and roadmaps. The work in these workflows is automatically tied into larger company goals. It takes one click to move from a roadmap to a team's work to individual updates and vice versa. And other useful things like tight VCS integrations. Whether you use GitHub, GitLab, or Bitbucket, Shortcut ties directly into them so you can update progress right from the command line. That is super keyboard friendly. And while we're on that topic, yes, the rest of Shortcut is just as keyboard friendly with their power bar that allows you to do virtually anything without touching your mouse. Throw that thing right in the trash. And finally, iterations planning. Set weekly priorities and then let Shortcut run the schedule for you with the accompanying burndown charts and other reporting. Give it a try at shortcut.com slash H-A-T-T. Again, that's shortcut.com slash H-A-T-T. Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. And now back to the episode. So I know, you know, we all hesitate, rightly so, with big decisions. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, the decision can take a long time and can even turn into some uh, attempted social engineering, really, like kind of. So what I mean by that is, you know, you might have this really tough conversation coming up, maybe we're maybe where you're trying to leave a client or you're saying, hey, there's like some serious problems with, uh, you know, our relationship here and not being paid enough or whatever it is. And you might you might have to write a really difficult email or make a very difficult call. And you might try to tailor that conversation and the social situations that come with that so that they fit a certain scenario. And in our experience, that almost never works. And this commonly comes up when you have a difficult phone call, like I said, or an email to send off. So you're like, like, oh, if I, if I word this, this sentence this way, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll forget about this part and we can just completely ignore this one part because I really don't want to talk about this one part. Um, or if they respond with this and I'll respond with this and then they'll respond with this and then I'll respond with this, you know, we can imagine basically the full conversation in our head and, that's not probably what's going to happen because usually the conversation doesn't follow such a linear path because remember there are people too and they have their own interpretation of the situation and they have their own anxieties and something that you think is easy to talk about they might not think is easy to talk about so they might try to steer it from something and so being social is very like very uh it's it's hard when it's a hard conversation 
you know, it's difficult in the best of times and it's worse when it's a hard situation because they might think, hey, you know, I'm your friend and you're leaving, you know, you're leaving me like, what the hell? And I'll be like, hey, man, like we helped you for five years and, you know, it just isn't working out. Like, do you want us both to sink? And then they freak out and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's messy business wise. It's messy potentially personal wise, depending on how personal you are with them. And it, 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 it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. And so it's, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's almost like a band-aid. It's sort of like you have you, – what you should do, in my opinion – there's going to be a bunch of opinions out there – is plan it out, do it, um, try to prevent procrastination. I procrastinate 100% on these decisions because I don't like social situations because um, I'm not a social butterfly, if you will. But try to just do it. Do it well do it professionally uh you know make sure that you you need to do it and don't be rash but don't procrastinate and i basically break all my rules with that i'm just going to be blunt with that i you know i'm not even i'm almost not even following my own rules with that but it it is uh it is a difficult when when the conversation is difficult it's uh it's not nice and it's easy to just procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. But then now you have a bunch of work piling up, plus this big, you know, sort of goose egg of an issue, uh, like adding up, if you will. And it's it's not good. It's not good. So that's what I mean by hesitating on big decisions. I kind of wanted to talk about that is how how it's how hesitating kind of waste it, it, it wastes your time. It, it it wastes your time. It wastes your time. It wastes their time. If you think about it that way. I could procrastinate a week, and I've done this several times. You procrastinate a week, only to then have the conversation be dealt with in three emails that happened in the same day or within a couple of days. I would have saved, say it happened in three days, I would have saved four days because I procrastinated for seven. I would have saved four days, and it would have been done and over with. And so that's one thing you need to you need to consider. So, and, and it's hard, too. Like Some situations you might think are much uh, heavier than... than they really are. And so you're going to think a lot longer than you should. And there's no right necessarily right way to do this. It's just something that you need to make these big decisions and, and hesitating when it's not for a good reason is realistically just a waste of time. Now I do also want to say uh, like in, in general, and this is just, I'll bring money into it uh, if you will, to kind of discuss hesitating a bit. So one thing that we all do as well is we, we hesitate on decisions that we think are big, but they're not. And we hesitate on investments. And I'm not talking monetary investments necessarily. I'll explain in a second. We hesitate on investments on something that we won't miss. So we've all been in this scenario, or at least I, a lot of us have been, where we hesitate for hours and even days on whether we should sign up for some service that costs 10 to $20 a month. And that service will give us some sort of software that's supposed to make your process better. You've been looking at it, you've been browsing it, you've been researching it, and you really think it would help. But you're really stuck on that 10 to $20 a month. But you don't realize it that if you were to forget to cancel the subscription, you're out 10 to $20 a month, realistically. And so you're probably, chances are, maybe you, maybe you will miss it, but if, you know, hopefully something of that n- nominal value, you're not going to miss if you forget so kind of step out of that comfort zone, make the decision, buy it for one month, try it out. If it's great, then it's great. And it gives you more than 10 to $20 value and it's over. You don't, and you forget to cancel it for a month. You're not going to miss, again, hopefully, you're not going to miss that 10 to $20. And that's not to say don't cancel subs. Absolutely do cancel subscriptions. They add up quickly. Do cancel subscriptions that you forget um, or that you don't use. But don't fret about forgetting a month or two. Because, like, what are you going to do? Sit there and worry about, like, man, do I need Photoshop? Do I need Photoshop? I probably should have Photoshop. Maybe I should have Photoshop. Maybe I'll look up more research on it. Research it for a month. But should I have Photoshop? I could probably just use a free version. Let's look up a free version. Now nah, they're not as good. Should I have Photoshop? Meanwhile, you could have had 10 photos edited. So, with stuff like that, I mean, don't be rash with your money. Don't go crazy with it. But what I'm trying to do is, I'm not, I'm not necessarily even talking about just purely subscriptions. What I'm trying to say is, is that... Don't hesitate on decisions when you're giving something that you're not going to miss. If you're not fully convinced by some entrepreneur, but he's going to give you a five minute pitch and you don't care about that five minutes, then listen to the pitch and the pitch could be awesome and it could change your life. If 
it doesn't. It was t- it was five minutes, and who cares? If you're not sold on an entrepreneur that's going to give you a pitch and it's going to be a seven hour presentation, you might not want to take that because that's a whole day of work. And so then you're just going to be like, no, I'm going to miss that seven hours. I'm out of here. And so it's important to sort of acknowledge and realize what you will and will not miss. And that I do like a thing where I'll be like sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Mike, Mike's there. Michael, like, hear me do this. And I'll be like, you know what? Fuck it. And then I just buy it. And sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it, but it's not like it like completely broke my bank. It didn't completely destroy me. I'm like responsible with my money in that regard where I like try to buy things that only I think I'll need and want um, or that things I'm going to flip or like whatever. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But it wasn't like I went and was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll empty my whole savings account on some random piece of art. I know nothing about art and let's hopefully flip it. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, personally, that's not responsible because clearly, I, clearly from the beginning of this episode, I know nothing about art. I know nothing about artists, and so I probably shouldn't be doing that. So it's something to just consider is that, you know, the hesitation is a waste of time. And there's sort of like the at a high level, those two those two scenarios, you know, we we hesitate with with big decisions that we've researched and everything. And then we just procrastinate it away and hesitate, even though the email that you've written is just sitting in your drafts and it's not going to change. And you're just hesitating to press send. And then we also hesitate with those smaller decisions, like the like the subscription fee, where we're like, man, should I do it? Should I do it? Audible is a prime example for me. I don't read. This is crazy. I haven't read, as far as I know, a book that I have never been assigned to read. I've never read a book that I haven't been assigned to read in school. That's as far as I know, that's true, short of child books, like kid, like kid books that I was read as a kid. And so I was like, man, I should probably like get some knowledge from books, like as as ridiculous as that sounds. I should probably like educate myself and like, I don't know, read or something. But I just I can't do it. Like I've tried to read and it's just it's boring. And I I'm just like I keep going back to podcasts, podcasts, podcasts. And I am learning from podcasts and I keep going back to them. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try audiobooks, I'm gonna buy Audible, I'm gonna get the free trial. Fuck it. And I went and I did it. I just went and did it. And I, I did it and I, and I listened to, uh, I listened to Audible. I listened to like a part of a book and then I like didn't necessarily finish it, but I got like what I wanted out of it. And then I was like, you know what? Like it's been a few months. I probably still have that Audible subscription. So I go into my account and I'm going to cancel it. And I see a bunch of credits and I see some books that I want to listen to. And I'm like, you know what? All right. And I just go and I purchase some more books. And now I'm listening to some audiobooks. Now, not super fast by any means. I know some people finish them very quickly. I'm like months into a book. But still, it's something that like I didn't miss that money. And now I'm learning a bunch of stuff. I'm learning. I have some fiction books, some real like uh, nonfiction books. And and it, it like I didn't it didn't matter. Like if I forgot that subscription fee this whole time, it sucks. And I really should cancel it. But it's not going to sink me. And so why? In my decision-making process, did it take me like a month to finally just be like, screw this, I'm going to, I'm going to buy an Audible subscription. So just, that's my, that's my two cents on hesitating, specifically hesitating on big decisions or quote-unquote big decisions. And that is my piece. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I getcha. I think this is really relevant to us right now um, because we're in the process of making some quote-unquote big decisions. And I think... Overall, we're probably not great at it. Uh, it's probably one of our weaknesses that I oh, that I've yeah, like we're not we're not good at it, and it's something that we need to get better at. And it's a really relevant topic right now for us because again, we're going in the process. So, one thing that I want to say is that these big decisions always come with like that fear of making a mistake or fear like that that regret or FOMO or whatever you want to call it that like. If I make this decision, for instance, let's, let's give a hypothetical. There's a client out there. You're working with a client. Everything is going okay. Maybe you're not making a lot of money with the client, but everything is okay. And there's another client that comes down the pipe and you just don't, you just can't balance two clients, but this other client is much better and, and wants to pay more and there's more potential there. So now you're left with this big decision where like, okay, I can't balance both clients. I've been with this client for a little while. What do I do? You have to make that decision. So that decision isn't necessarily dropping that client. It could be smooth transition. It could be 
uh, asking for more money from the client to make it make sense for you. It could be hiring someone, but those are all big decisions that have to be made. And every one of those decisions comes with risks and every one of those risks comes with mistakes that you can make. And I think our biggest problem is that we don't want to make mistakes where that shouldn't be it. Like we should want to make, we should be okay with making mistakes. That's my thing. I don't think we should be like, you know, super pumped up that we made a mistake here and there, obviously. Uh, you know, make a mistake, you learn from it, and you move on, you, you don't make that mistake again. That's the whole point. But if you don't make, if you're not putting yourself in a position to make mistakes and fail, you're not going to grow. Like you're just not going to get anywhere with your business. You're not going to get anywhere with your freelancing career. You're not going to get anywhere with your career. If you're just going to shut yourself down and work in your nine to five job and not do anything else towards bettering your career, it's just going to be the same all the way down the line. Unfortunately, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and make mistakes. And that's what, again, we're doing at this moment right now. And that's why this is so freaking relevant to us. And something that we're like, I'm obviously kind of passionate to talk about because I think I'm at that point where screw it, like, let's just make the mistakes. I could see that I can see what putting yourself out there can bring you at this point. Like the audience that we've made on, on the podcast, everyone listening right now, that's not because we, you know, decided, hey, let's do the safe thing and just continue working on our contracts. That's because we decided, hey, let's put ourselves out there and talk about things that we know about and try to share our knowledge and open ourselves up for criticism and open up ourselves up for, you know, people talking, like people constantly contacting us and maybe doxing us or whatever. Like there's a lot of risks to putting yourself out there. And there's a lot of mistakes you can make while doing it, but the the payoff has been huge. The community has been amazing. You're all awesome. Like anyone that's listening to this, thank you very much for listening. And I'm so glad that we took that risk to create the podcast and to go down the route of content creation because it's opened up so many more doors for us. Just being honest, like it's just it's just been it's been a next level game changer in terms of our career and our path, because if we didn't do this, I don't know where we'd be right now. We might both be working at a, at a full-time job just to be like that. That's a very real possibility. So the fact that three plus years ago, Matt and I sat down and decided to go down this path, that was a risk that we took. That was probably one of our big decisions that we actually did make. And I'm glad we did, but now we're at the path, the point in our path where we're making more of those big decisions. And I'm a little bit scared, obviously, but I'm also at this point really excited. It's one of those things where you you look back and um, you look back and it's easy to fall into a comfort zone thing too. Where yep. if you will, uh, I'm not going to get into financial advice, but like I have a friend I talk with, and investing a lot with, and I'll say something like, "I'm going to go do this. Like I'm going to try this." And he'll say, "No, no, no. Like you know, like you're crazy. You should you should be doing this." And the thing that he's suggesting is the thing that him and I tried out years ago. It worked out. And then we just sort of do that. Like, this is how we save money. This is how we do this. This is how we do that. Whatever. We're not going to get into that. The point of the matter is, is that he's stuck in the comfort zone. Whereas I'm, I'm trying to, and it's, and it's hard. I, I, I say I'm going to do a lot of things and I don't, but I, I do want to try stuff because if you think about it, the thing that he was suggesting, the comfort zone Tried and true method that method that he was suggesting the comfort method, if you will. I, I you know let's not call it that because that could be skewed into <laughs> ten thousand other things. But like the the like safe investing method, let's we'll call it that. The safe investing method that like him and I came up with, and it it wasn't some big system or anything. I'm just making something up partially now. Safe investing method that him and I came up with is a comfort zone for him, but it wasn't when we started it. It took a risk to get there. And so to him, it's like, well, I, you know, this is my tried and true way to save money. This is my tried and true way to invest. I'm not skewing from it. And that's fine. That's respectable. I'm not going to say, you know, too much about that. I'm not going to rip on him or whatever. But I am going to consistently tell him, hey, I tried this and I and I lost. I lost $600. I tried this and I lost $500. I tried this and I lost $2,000. I tried this and I made $700. I tried this and I made $6,000. Oh, maybe this $6,000 thing is what we should be doing. Ah, here we go. And so the thing that made your comfort zone, the 
construction of your comfort zone wasn't actually comfortable. And it's easy to construct your own comfort zone and fall back into it. And so for Mike and I to bring it back to the topic at hand, realistically, one of our comfort zones now is podcasting. So we maybe down the road we'll start another podcast or something. And you know, we might do this, we might do that. But one thing that what I'm gonna try to do is make sure that if we do start another podcast, it's for a reason. Hopefully. And it's not just for, hey, we need to do something. What do we do? I don't know, another podcast. Okay, cool. Because now podcasting is a comfort zone. So what Mike's saying is, you know, we have the we have the podcast, and now we're doing other opportunities because of the podcast. Those opportunities are like offshoots. And so Remember that whenever you try something or do something, you are actually constructing a larger comfort zone. And I also want to say that I don't venture from my comfort zone very often. I usually cower in my comfort zone, so I'm not perfect in this in this either. It's just an observation that I've made. Uh, and and I'll I'll stray, you know, here and there, of course, and I'm straying more nowadays, but I just want to point that out that, you know, I'm 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 saying it, but it it it's certainly certainly is easier said than done yeah that's a that's a great way to put it it's so much easier said than done and when you're doing it it doesn't feel right when you're doing it you're you're feeling like you know like i want to go back i want to go back home or something like that like it's a weird feeling in your stomach when you're outside your comfort zone on a consistent basis but you get once you start retrospectively looking at what's happened it starts making so much sense, honestly. Like it's such a clarifying metric for me at this point that like it took a while for me to get there and I'm glad we put that effort into it and I'm glad we were able to do that. That That's a privilege. That's kind of like we were in an opportunity to be able to step outside of our comfort zone and even if we were to lose everything, we still were okay. And because of that, I see the value of it now. And I really, really want others to kind of hear it and listen to it and try to do it. And I'm not saying, you know, drop what you're doing, quit your job and go out and try to find, you know, a business that you want to be a part of or a business that you want to create. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're a contractor, if you're working somewhere, try to find that 20% of your time somewhere that to try new things and step outside your comfort zone. Try to find just 20%. Try to be consistent about it. Try to make it so that it's an everyday thing or it's an at least an every week thing, something that you can do every single week that puts you a little bit ahead of the people that aren't doing it. Whether again, that whether that's, you know, creating an audience, writing a blog, creating a website, making an application, whatever it is that you're doing, it doesn't have to be exactly related to your job even. It can be something completely different, something that you're passionate about. Just try to put yourself ahead and the personally the only way I can see that happening is if you step outside your comfort zone and is if you stop hesitating on making the big decisions. Yeah, I think that's a good footnote to that to that topic. Um, yeah, just basically try to, you know, don't try not to procrastinate. Try not to hesitate more than you have to and try to step out of your comfort zone effectively because that's probably why you're hesitating in the first place. And some decisions that we treat as big is, are not actually all that big, but do your research, do your analysis, make sure that that is the case because some decisions are very serious uh, and could sink you or affect you long term. And those need to be given proper consideration, proper research, proper advice given to you, yada, yada, of course. But, you know, buying an Audible subscription or trying to get trying out Photoshop for a month is uh, not a life altering decision in most cases. Uh, now, the third topic is much less serious. But it is uh, web development related. It's almost a web news, if you will, and we'll we'll touch on this a little bit. Um, Mike, a bit of a bit of a questionnaire for you, I suppose, and I'll I'll go into this too. What do you what do you bring? What work do you bring mobile? Now, I'm not saying you're bringing files with you and those type of things, but more or less, just as a general thought, when you're, I don't know, let's say. Uh, you know, working on something and you're backing it up with GitHub effectively with the version control uh, or you're setting up a server and you're you're choosing where it can be accessed from or you're choosing where to where your files live or you're choosing this and that. Where, how much of it do you bring mobile? And what I mean by that is if, if I called you and was like, Mike, 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 holy crap, holy crap, I really need the income statement from last month. 
Is that income statement available to you at any time on mobile? Not that it's downloaded, nothing like that, but can you go to a browser? Can you go to an app and can you quickly get it to me? And how much of the that mobilization, I suppose, is how much of that is 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 in the consideration of your everyday decisions? Like, do you want everything to be available to you at all times just in case? Or are you more or less like, no, only the critical stuff? Or are you more security-based and you're like, no, I'm locking it all up in here and I'm refusing, you know, th- there's going to be no outside access. Like, how, like, like, what's your, what's your take on, like, at a high level, sort of like the infrastructure of making things mobile accessible? Okay. Uh, so for me, I live the cloud life, so most, if not all, of my files are somehow clouded, whether that's version control, whether that's OneDrive, whether that's Google Drive. Like, I literally pay for a OneDrive subscription or, like, an Office 365 subscription and a Google Drive subscription. That's to the point of what cloud life I'm living. Um, and the reason I do that is I want to have everything backed up, and I don't, have, I don't want to have to worry about what device I'm on at what certain time. So I have a laptop, I have a computer, I have a phone. But having said that, my phone is limited to certain things. Like I, like your example of the income statement with from like QuickBooks or something. Yeah, I could definitely get a QuickBook, like an income statement or an invoice or whatever. Like I can definitely get to that, no problem. But as soon as you start going away from just documents to going towards code. Like, yes, technically I could access GitHub on my phone and look at a code and maybe even edit some code to see what's going on there um, or to like add something. But I really, really, really don't. <laughs> and that's very much on purpose. Like my phone for the most part is a communication device at this point and a quick lookup for Google searching and stuff like that. I don't use my phone for... um I don't use my phone for typing up stuff. Like I know Matt, you 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 like to type up like the show notes even on your phone. Uh, I don't do that. I don't use my phone for any sort of. I don't even like to use it for emails really. Like I do obviously email from my phone, but I don't very often. Like if I'm a couple steps away from my computer, I'm ninety nine percent of the time going to go to my computer. Financial stuff like banks and stuff like that, I always prefer to do that from a computer. So I do have those apps on my phone just in case in emergencies. Or in scenarios where I just don't have access to a computer, but I don't do it there. Like any bills I pay, any money I transfer, anything I do on crypto side of things, all through the web browser on the computer. So oh, ni- that's fascinating. Yeah. 90% of my interaction with the web, I'd say, is through my desktop, not my phone. So I'm using it a little bit differently than probably the majority of people out there, uh, which is, I guess, a different take. But having said that, obviously, like I have most everything accessible in an emergency because I live that cloud life and my phone is powerful enough to handle it. Like I could technically, you know, plug, I could even use decks and stuff like that. Like I have a Samsung phone that you you can have like a desktop environment on there. Like I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for that situation where I need to use it. But based on the fact that it's COVID, first of all, I don't, and the fact that we work from home all the time, and the fact that like I just don't drive anywhere like really anymore, I could probably survive with a dumb phone at this point. That's how fucking useless a phone is what in the my hell? life. It's weird because like I just don't care about the phone as much as I used to. Probably because I don't like I leave the house, but like wh- like, like you leave the house, but go? you're not like, you're not like you're not like I'm gonna go to the park and do my finances. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like I go to the restaurant and I go like my parents' place and like I. I don't know, like, it's just where we're at right now in life and the fact that we're working from home, I just, the phone is, it's not a priority for me anymore as much as it was before. Man, that's that's fascinating. I'm I'm complete opposite. I mean, I live the cloud life too, just in general, but, you know, just talk about the day-to-day UX. Um, what's really weird, I'll, I'll zoom in on a, on a section of that. What's really weird is I refuse to deposit money into ATMs. I will always go to the teller. If the bank's not open, then I don't use the bank, short of using the ATM for a withdrawal. I refuse to deposit checks unless I give it to the teller. Uh, it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. 
in that regard, because like, I mean, like we're modern, I'm a modern person, you know, working in the tech industry, I guess you could say. Uh, so it's weird. That's the case. But I do use my phone for finances. I do use my phone for crypto. I use my phone for a bunch of stuff like that. I bitch and cry when the bank apps don't work. Uh, I always complain about the bank uh, UI UX. I, I use my phone now more than ever, potentially. And the weird thing is, is I don't use my phone when I'm out and about. So when I'm out and about, I rarely use my phone user for obviously basic contacts and stuff, but I don't check it a lot. I don't answer it a lot when I'm out. Um, you know, obviously bar- barring certain, certain circumstances, sometimes I need to, but I use it as a camera. It really is a camera about 90% of the time yep. when I'm out and about it is a camera and yeah, that's what I use too. it for. But the thing is though, Mike, is I use my phone more than my computer. I do all my work, all my prep work, all my emails, all that. When I, let's say I like wake up, go and make a coffee. I go sit in like the living room. I will go and do all my stuff on my phones because I have two of them. I go do all my stuff on my phones and then I'll like go and then I'll go to the workbench and or the, uh, the work setup, like the, the desk. I don't know why I call it a workbench. I'll go <laughs> to my desk and I will like start, start working. And that's how I do it. I bring it mobile. And with the, uh, now one thing I will want to point out is I get like super anxious about stuff. I'm a pretty like high strung person. And so what I'll do is I'll be at the computer for a while and then something will come up like I'm waiting on a transfer or something. And I'll get like super like anxious. And one thing that'll help me is I'll just like get up and walk around. And so what do I do, want to do? I want to have it in my pocket. And so I'll like pull out the phone and be like, okay, I'll, I'll like deal with my bank right now while I'm walking around. Uh, maybe that's the reason. Um, I don't know. That's that's super interesting, though. It's weird that like you, Mike, you'll use the ATMs, you'll do all that, and I won't. But yet I'll use the phone and stuff, and you won't. That's really weird. So I, I don't deposit checks through ATMs. Okay, I thought you did. Okay, yeah, okay. No, I, I don't deposit checks. I, I do deposit checks through my phone now, though. See, I won't do that. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I won't do that. Yeah, I do. I, I do deposit checks through my phone. It, it's really convenient on that front. Um, I will say, like, I agree with you on the camera side. The phone is a camera at this point, and uh, my next phone decision is going to be more of a camera decision than it is a phone, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm just going to be pretty much buying the best camera that's the most affordable. I'll, I'll be doing something like that because that's for sure the number one feature that I use on my phone more than anything else, even more than calling, even more than social media and all that. Although social media is another thing that I do sometimes do when I'm on the go because of the Twitter and all that. Like I I do check my social media, but if, again, if I'm near a computer, 100%, I will be doing all my replies, doing all my content creation on the computer. I'm not going to be typing up stuff on my phone. If I, if I have something available, do you pay with your phone? Samsung Pay, Google Pay, yes. that type of thing? Yes, definitely. Yep. Okay. Because that's one thing that's happened in my in recent years is I'm trying to consolidate my wallet to a pocket, to mm-hmm. like one pocket of my phone. And uh, I uh, I use a credit union and so they they weren't they didn't have Samsung Pay for a great great number of years. Uh, Samsung Pay or Google Pay or any of that. And so they they got it a few years ago and I've been using it, but I just haven't used it much because it's just that transitionary period, right? Uh, I have Google Pay as well and I can use that on my watch and stuff like that, whatever. And I just recently was like, you know what? I'm going to try to use this thing. And I, I, I haven't pulled a card out of my wallet short of my ID in months, actually. Seriously. Um, short of pulling the card out and like being like, oh, I need to type it in at my computer <laughs> of all things. I am all like, I just pay on my phone, like a Samsung pay everything, uh, at this point. And so I've like ordered a case and everything, which has multiple wallets, a big folio wallet. If I want to bring cash or a, uh, little card wallet, if I just want to bring cards and it's just magnets to the back of the phone. And there's like a whole magnet system that comes with the, for the car and everything too. Um, for car events and stuff like that, but I am like consolidating everything to my phone. I'll literally pick up my phone, choose a wallet. Do I need a big wallet? Do I need my quick wallet? And then I'll, I'll leave and that'll be it. And I'll pay with the phone and I'll have cards and or cash with me if I need to. And that's it. It's super fascinating. Um, it, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me how like the UX of everyday life has changed. You know what it reminds me of is crypto is sort of like, let's just say crypto is like the new thing, right? Everyone's freaking out about it. There's articles about it. People are buying and selling. There's people that are losing their savings. There's people that are making billions of dollars. And, you know, it's this crazy topic. 
The last crazy topic, now it was less in the financials, so maybe people aren't becoming billionaires, but one of the last crazy topic I can think of is when we were in college, first year of college, cloud computing was talked about at an unprecedented rate. You heard about cloud computing, cloud computing, cloud computing. That's all we heard about. And it was sort of like, yeah, but what does it do? Yeah, but it just computes in the cloud. You know, it, like the descriptions weren't good, if you will. And cryptocurrency can suffer from that a little bit, right? Where the, the, the descriptions weren't good. And so like we're seeing the fruition of the freak out that was cloud computing back then. But it wasn't described well. Now, whether it's hard to describe what the future is going to be like, obviously, because you're like, you can pay with it and be like, why? I got a card here, right? Like that, that'll be the first thing someone says. But I have a card. All I got to do is pull it out. What do you mean? Right? The classic little complaint. Um, like, what do you mean I got to do this? Like, what do you mean I got to do that? Uh, like, why would I, why wouldn't I just have like the web app run on my phone? Like just have it run on my device, on my computer, run it on my laptop. Why would I cloud compute it? Why would I pay the rent? Right. So people pick it apart to the point where the public kind of loses interest, but then doesn't realize that they're being influenced heavily by it. Like you're not running Facebook on your phone fully, right? Like there's a bunch of cloud computing that's happening. And then your phone is like interacting with the cloud. That's like cloud computing. But that wasn't how it was advertised, at least not to the masses. And even though we were in computers and learning servers, it wasn't referred to as cloud computing, which is super fascinating to me. Like it's like it's like the 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 trends that change lie that change our lives forever don't get described well. And 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 it's rather manic. It's sort of like have you heard of this? Like, have you heard of cloud computing? You know, you have that like stereotypical, like, have you heard of Bitcoin? You know what I mean? Like, there's that stereotype that lives in my brain on both of those like things. It's the same when I was a kid. Like, people would freak out about Pokemon cards, right? It's like, it's like the thing that changes Pokemon cards didn't change my life, but like the things that change your life as a kid, they did. So I was like, my kid life was changed forever when I was introduced to Pokemon cards, realistically. Um, but like in adult life, it's like the cloud computing. The electric car is probably one of them. Like there's people that will like get super manic and super excited. And then there's people that will just pick it apart. And because it's so new, you don't understand it. And you're just like, well, I either you go into it and you go ham or you just try it out, whatever. And you, you just embrace it. But a lot of people will just go, I ain't got time for this. Like I, I got to get to work. How, how did we go down this? I don't know. This tangent. I trying, don't know. I'm trying to connect. Oh, it back. no. Oh, no. It's because the whole mobile thing. The whole it's because like realistically like we're using the cloud computing that is the bank. Like this changed our lives. Like it changed our lives fundamentally. I don't know how it went down this road. Like I, I tried to justify it. It's, <laughs> yeah, over. it's I'm, trying, like, <laughs> I'm trying to get it down. I mean, it's a good tangent. I get it. It's a, it's a really good point with uh, the cloud computing and crypto right now. Like. <laughs> I think it's important to kind of start noticing what is becoming a thing by the association of the fact that there's a lot of people talking about it that have no idea what they're talking about. That's what happened with cloud computing and that's what ha what's, what's happening right now with crypto is like there's just a plethora of people that are out there that are just talking about crypto and either shitting on it or talking like, you know, talking its praises that have actually zero clue what is going on under the hood? And I think it's really I, like, yeah, if you're, if you're just going down the financial side and you want to make a quick book, maybe you don't need to go down that. But in a long term perspective, if you want to look at what the blockchain actually is and what it will be in the future, it's super fundamental to understand what it is, like what's running in the background. And I'll leave it there right now, but I am writing an episode currently on blockchain on Web3 on all things crypto, other than financial advice, they will have zero financial advice in that episode. And uh, I just want to lay that out for people that are just getting into it, because as far as I can see, it's, it is very intertwined with web development. And it's something that you will want to know about in the next, you know, three, four, five, ten years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like people are freaking out about it. It's getting into video games. People are freaking out about blockchain and blockchains now like at this at this point, realistically, blockchain is just a buzzword and investors get all excited. Like, really? Mm -hmm. I yep. mean, uh, same with cloud computing back then. It was like, holy crap, cloud computing. Um, but like it'll change our lives for the better or the worse, you know, and, and, and not necessarily either. Nothing's guaranteed, you know, but um, 
Yeah, I, I don't. I've been trying this entire time to figure out how the hell we got here, and I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> I, I went on a manic idea. rant. <laughs> I went on a manic really rant about cloud about computing, that. and I yeah. just <laughs> my head exploded. <laughs> I tried. I tried so hard during your rant to figure it out, but I couldn't. It was a good rant, though. At least it was that. So at the end of the day, Mike, <laughs> Mike, and I both won't use the ATM to deposit checks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the conclusion that we've drawn yet let's roll the conclusion okay, okay so if you want to listen to episodes like this uh <laughs> you want to support episodes like this we're on patreon that's patreon.com slash all the things check out the tiers and give that a go and many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from SelfMade Web Designer on SelfMadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. DL Ford from DLFord.io. Vip Hashash from 9BlockMedia via 9BlockMedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via YesWeb.se. And Jeff from Twitter via AntTheRithic. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.